Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. Uh, My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by my Deputy Chief Economist, Oscar Way. Hi, everyone. It's, uh, I think, our first episode of the year. Is that right? And episode 80. It is. And um, I know it's been a while. It's been a few weeks. Uh, Hopefully everyone had a very good holiday and uh, hopefully everyone is starting the year with, um, you know, a good start. I know 2021 um, is uh, hopefully going to be a different year compared to 2020. Still, we still have, you know, to do a lot of uh, social distancing stuff, but hopefully it will get better. Yeah, no, we got a a light at the end of the tunnel, definitely. And I think that uh, it's a good time to do a little bit of a a wrap up and talk about where we are in the kind of first, you know, two thirds of of January, I guess, now in the books, at least from a a data perspective. And so we're going to talk about uh, rates, we're going to talk about what happened in housing, talk a little bit about fundamentals, both in terms of the kind of public health stuff and the economy more broadly, and then maybe some of the the kind of forward-looking stuff, what we're uh, looking forward to, what we're potentially worried about. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. I know last episode, we wrap up with a uh, our forecast, and I know we've talked about this. Most likely, we will, you know, update our forecast again. Um, and, and, and with that forecast, of course, we take into consideration what are some of the risks, what are some of the concerns. So maybe we can talk a little bit about those downside risks or concerns that we have for 2021. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And and the first thing I want to talk about is rates, because, you know, I always, even before the last couple of weeks, have uh, talked about those long-term trends in rates and and how, um, you know, we're so much lower than anything we used to see historically, and and which is why I don't kind of sweat all the, the you know, week-to-week volatility in, in interest rates. And mm-hmm. I think that's Im- important in, in a context like we've had over the last couple of weeks or since the second half of January, uh, because we have seen a little bit of an increase in rates and and then maybe some some falling back off. So what's happening with mortgage rates? Yeah, I'm a little surprised too. Well, I probably not surprise, surprise. Now, if, if everyone remember, uh, at the end of this year, or maybe even beginning of this year, we actually hit, you know, record low of 30 year average, uh, average 30 year fixed rate hanging uh, 2.68 or something like that based yeah. on Freddie Mac, right? And you're, you're, you're absolutely right that we started seeing it start rising, I think, after the first week and uh, almost approached 3% for the 30-year fixed rate as well. And um, we, we've talked about, I think we both have talked about it during our outreaches, but it's uh, worth mentioning it. The uh, sudden surge, you know, within that couple weeks or so yep. is basically because of um, some political reason. Bond market, political stuff, yep. And I think uh, I think the uh, political reason is because the uh, Democratic Party actually uh, a little surprised to to some actually uh, were able to get a hold of both the uh, Senate, the House, and the uh, White House. 
Now yeah. they had a, um, a a special election in Georgia, and that was what determined that the um, Democratic Party actually uh, were able to get both seats in Georgia, which means they actually uh, get the um, control you know, the Senate. Control the Senate. Yeah. And that what does that mean? That actually makes it easier for them to pass fiscal policy. Right. And so that was where I think the bond market kind of got spooked, right, that they're going to be spending a little bit more fast and loose with the government budget. That's going to create inflationary pressures that they need to get ahead of by kind of building that into the bond price that that, you know, future uh, inflation. And so some of that then did, I guess, spill through to mortgage rates that that kind of, as you said, went up to uh, to close to 3% or something like that. Yeah. Right. But then they've started to come back down again. Absolutely. You know, that's why, you know, I think we, we, this year, you know, um, just the bottom line for everyone, I think we're still going to have low rates. I mean, the fact that it has gone up to close to three and then in the last, uh, I think a week, two weeks or so towards the end of um, January, uh, we have actually gone back down to uh, around 2.7 now. Um, Of course, we can't guarantee that it's going to stay at the near bottom record low, but I think it's safe to say for the next couple months or so, we will stay below three at some point, maybe after the vaccine uh, distribution, mass distribution of vaccine in the second half of the year, we may have a little bit higher rate, but I think it's still going to stay at a very low level. Yeah, definitely. I I think you're right on there. I mean, you know, to get a little verge on going too technical, even if you took all of that, you know, uptick in the 10 year bond rate, which I think is, is potentially a little bit overblown and we could have an inflation conversation potentially because, you know, even if you go back before this crisis, uh, we weren't doing particularly well in terms of uh, fiscal discipline. And yet mm-hmm. we didn't have uh, a lot of, of kind of breakaway inflation. So I'm not I'm not that worried about inflation. I think the bond market might be getting ahead of itself a little bit. But even if all of that you know, uptick in the 10 year bond does eventually bleed through to mortgage rates. I think you're still looking at rates that are are very low by historical standards. We might see them get up to 3%, 3.1%, right. uh, you know, by the end of the year, or even 3.2% or something like that. That is still historically low interest rates out of any other, you know, outside of any time uh, prior to, you know, the last 12 months. And so I think that, uh, you know, rates are still going to be favorable for for buyer demand, which is ultimately what we care about in in the housing market. Absolutely. Yes. Just to put things in context, last year um, at uh, um, last year, meaning, I mean, 2019, I should say, at the end of 2019. We're still getting used to saying 2021, right? (laughs) I know. I know. In 2019, at the end of the year, that year, it was 3.7. And at that time, you know, interest rate, 30-year fixed rate, 3.7 was considered low. Right. So I don't think we're going to get, you know, uh, too far from, you know, three you know, if we actually get above three, I do believe that we will probably get above three at some point uh, later yep. this year, uh, but it's not going to be far. Right. And and so again, channel that like inner, uh, you know, inner 1980s uh, interest rate context perspective on those, because these are really uh, small movements in the grand scheme of, of things. And we can see that buyers are still uh, going pretty hot and heavy, right? We closed out Absolutely. the year and the dust has finally settled on 2020. And so we can update folks on exactly, uh, you know, 
to what extent we were or weren't able to recover that lost ground during the second half of the year. Can you give us a rundown of home sales? Sure. It's it's been a very uh, robust second half of the year. You know, if you just look at December, um, I kept on saying, you know, in previous episodes and in some of our outreach outreaches, saying that okay, well, we probably will slow down in terms of sales. You know, yeah. at the end of the year, but of course, I've been wrong. At the end of the year, on December, it actually was the strongest in terms of sales and in terms of price. Yeah. Um. We, you know, remember, you know, we we used to talk about you know four hundred thousand benchmark. Uh, right. Well, maybe that's a thing of the past, at least for the not, like next few weeks, months or so, because in the in November and in December we actually surpassed five hundred thousand for both months, and it's uh, actually the increase Incredible. is the the level is actually the highest in the last fifteen years in December. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I, you know, we continue to be surprised to the, uh, to the upside, I guess, because the the housing market, even in the face of really tight inventory, which I know we're going to talk about, uh, but you know, it's, it's pretty incredible and just a testament to that buyer demand, right? Part of it is the low rates. Part of it's that the economy is getting better, but like you mentioned the 400,000 benchmark, that wasn't just the benchmark. Like we were actually um, <laughs> excited when it would go above 400,000, right? We would, it would go to 410, 420. And that was a really great number. And so again, just to, to kind of put that 500 almost 10,000 uh, that we had in December into context. It's also kind of uh, pretty impressive that even with all the lost sales that we had during the summer, we actually ended the year um, ahead of 2019 when we were basically at an all-time low for things like unemployment still actually had pretty low rates, right? So we were up for the year. Yeah, I mean, in May, I I, I show that in, you know, in some of the presentation, mm. May, um, we were actually down for the year to date, meaning the first five months of the year by 13% for, you know, the next seven months to actually surpass or uh, oh, uh, uh, recover all the loss uh, that we had in the first five months, and then some, um, meaning the 2020 actually exceeded 2019 by about three and a half percent. That is very, very impressive. And that's something that I don't think we have ever seen before. Yeah, it's, uh, it was just, again, you know, there's, there's the kind of trifecta, I think we have, you know, folks that have more flexibility, uh, the folks who earn those high wages that you need to to earn to be able to buy homes in California, um, haven't been as affected by this crisis. And then we also have, um, you know, this kind of need for our homes. And and I was uh, listening to one of my favorite economists the other day, and he was talking about how they bought this open plan, like studio thing, because they wanted to be part of the solution and free up Uh their single family family home. And like, that made a lot of sense before the crisis and how now they're, um, you know, sitting three, four feet apart, trying to both have (laughs) Zoom meetings simultaneously. And I think that all just kind of culminated in this kind of demand that that ultimately showed up and drove those sales to an all time high. You already mentioned that prices were were also really strong. Right. Tell us um, a little bit more about what specifically played out and how, um, how strong prices actually were. Yeah, we, we, you briefly mentioned about, you know, very tight supply, and that's exactly what happened because of tight supply and a lot of demand, we got a lot of, um, you know, uh, pressure, upward pressure. Um, so price actually, you know, as far as the state median price is concerned, we actually have the California median price at the end of the year surpass 700,000 again. When I say again, it's actually the fourth time in the last five months, wow. and it actually hit another record level of 717 or 718, I believe. 
Yeah. Uh, that's really, you know, really different from what we saw maybe at the end of uh, 2019. It was below 600. Yeah. Um, so that's significantly higher than uh, what we would have expected, uh, you know, at the beginning of last year. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's it's uh, an increase of like 17 or so percent right, from, right, from the same time last year and and pretty broad based. Right. We're seeing growth across the board. And I know we hear a lot about uh, all the downside risks to California's economy and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, it wasn't just the Lake Tahoe's or the Big Bears that had prices growing. It was actually uh, almost every part of the state. Yeah, it's uh, 50 of the 51 counties actually recorded a year over year gain, but you know, more impressively is about 48 of them actually increased by more than 10% in December. Now for the year as a whole, uh, it also uh, showed a pretty impressive increase, a double digit increase of 11.3% from two, uh, 2019. So, you know, uh, the, the, the drop in uh, interest rates really yeah help you know people to put up a little bit more uh, to buy their home and of course the tight supply um, so you mentioned about tight supply how tight is the supply really the supply is is really the reason why we're not as optimistic that we're going to continue to see 30 percent growth carrying forward right, right. because uh, I think there's been one other time or a few handful of times maybe where we've been as low as we are now in terms of unsold inventory but but 1.3 months which we were at in December is essentially uh, the all-time low for all intents and purposes. And, uh, you know, I think this is the lowest it's been for more than a decade. But the, the bigger thing, even beyond the, the kind of unsold inventory index, is just that there's no um, listings. You know, right. I, I do that chart where you kind of show the, the listings that happen throughout the year, January, February. You know, and right. usually listings peak in the summertime. Um, you have the kind of spring home buying season when sellers get their homes ready and put them on the market. Then they sell them during the summer and then it kind of cools back down. But this year, we just started burning through our inventory pretty much from the day that we opened the housing market back up in, in May. And so listings actually peaked in in April. They were down on a year-to-year right. year basis by 50%. But just, you know, that is going to be a, a big obstacle. And I think one of the reasons why, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head, the, the time on market is low, the prices are going up, it's very competitive. And, and why I think you see these low rates translating through to just higher prices, right? Because it's so tight that these buyers have to be as competitive as possible. And that doesn't mean um, enjoying some of these lower rates as savings for yourself, but instead using it as a a tool to be able to make your offer uh, the most competitive that it can be. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you know you brought up the point of um, the peak of you know the inventory or listings uh, was actually in April. That yeah. was not even supposed to be you know, the month that we have the highest inventory. Right. I mean, and that means yeah, seasonality may play a little role, you know, in 2020. But at the same time, I mean, we have to say, you know, COVID uh, yeah. did actually uh, have have an impact. Now talking 100%. about COVID. Um, Maybe we should talk just briefly about a little bit about COVID because I know it has an impact at the end of last year. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, at the end of last year, the numbers were surging, you know, and uh, and and that was true in California in particular. We were disproportionately affected during the holiday season and that caused all kinds of clamping down. But, um, you know, things have started to move in the right direction nationwide, but the numbers are pretty uh, stark when you kind of tally them all up. 
And yeah, absolutely, you know, for California. And of course, it's not just California, it's US, but also globally, you know, at the global level, I think we surpassed like 100 million cases. Man. That's that's a, a lot. But uh, and we have heard about, you know, L.A. County, particularly being, you know, the epic center. Yeah. Um, just to throw out some numbers, you know, for a number of cases, as you said, you know, it was it was pretty significant um, at the end of last year. I think even at the beginning of um, this year, the first week or so, it was like 40,000 new cases. But things have turned around a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. in the last couple of weeks has dropped down to 16, 17,000. I mean, I hate to say this, you know, we, a few months ago, we thought 17,000 was high and you, now yeah. we, we actually think that it's actually low, but it's trending down. It's continuing to trend down. It has um, and the seven day average importantly has come down and that's the one the state looks at. And that's why right. some parts of the state have, I think gone to purple or whatever it is. And we can eat outside again in, in a lot of parts of the state and things like that. So we've right. effectively cut the numbers uh, in half, but, but as you said, still um, hugely elevated at, at levels that would have uh, seemed pretty scary back in, in March and April and things like that. So even with the vaccine, we still have a long way to go on that front. Absolutely. You know, the positivity rate also have come down, uh, but it's still pretty high compared to what we saw before. And you mentioned about a vaccine. I mean, I know it's rolling out, uh, but uh, realistically, we, we still have to wait for a few months, especially for people under 50 or so. Yeah. It may not necessarily um, be able to, we may not be able to get it until maybe about the soonest, maybe May, but I have a feeling that it's more like uh, July or so for many people. Yeah. And I think they said, you know, I was on a, a thing with our public health county folks here in San uh -huh. Luis Obispo County yesterday doing a thing for this, uh, the Chamber of Commerce. And they mentioned how there's like 90,000 priority one type uh, uh -huh. first responder or people in that, um, you know, elevated age risk category, whatever. Um, but they're only getting like three to 4,000 um, doses of the vaccine per day. And so we have 90,000 just to get through the tier <laughs> one before kind of everybody else gets a shot. And so you can see that it's, uh, you know, we have that light at the end of the tunnel, but it's going to be uh, a while before we get to, uh, to cross that finish line. Right. Right now it's still a dim, right? You know, the tunnel we're approaching, it's hopefully going to get bigger and bigger in a faster pace. Um, the Okay, so it's not just public health, right? You know, right. coronavirus, a pandemic, it hurts the economy as well. Yes. Um, and it shows in you know, some of the indicators, GDP uh, and unemployment, maybe we can walk us through. I know we released our uh, last uh, GDP or last quarter's yep. GDP just uh, yesterday or the day before. Definitely. And, and the economy did continue to expand, but we had, you know, uh, uh, an annual decline for the first time ever, mm -hmm. uh, or the first time in, in modern history, right, since the Great Depression, essentially, or wow. World War II, uh, where the economy was actually smaller than it was um, the year before on an annualized basis. Now, it picked up steam, obviously, like the housing market through the second half of the year, and we found that the uh, the fourth quarter actually increased by 4% on an annualized basis, right? But that does mm -hmm. uh, represent a, a slowing of the recovery as well. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's scary that consumers in particular have slowed down, but I think symptomatic of this kind of tightening of the economy that we had to do as a result of the, the kind of, you know, 
crackdown on the public health side that, you know, we went from a kind of 25% contribution to GDP right. in the third quarter as consumers really battled back. And by the way, I think that third quarter number was probably pumped up pretty good by uh, some, some stimulus, some expanded Absolutely. unemployment benefits, some drawing down of savings. But you could see that a lot of that stuff started to peter out in the fourth quarter, which is why consumers only contributed about 1.7 of the four percentage points that GDP actually grew. Right. And we ran out, you know, off, um, you know, fun for some of the unemployment yep. um, at the end of the fourth quarter. But yeah, add on to it, you know, we have uh, uh, more lockdown in December. Yep. So that actually really, you know, put things into perspective. And if you take a look at some of the retail sales number, I know when we talk about retail sales number, if we just look at the overall number, it looks like it's, you know, very uh, rosy. Yeah. But if you break it down, um, for those places like restaurants and drinking places, they're still suffering quite a bit. Yeah, and I think the the latest numbers were that they were down like 17 or they might have even gone down a bit more in mm. December, uh, right. you know, but they still haven't recovered to those pre-crisis levels, whereas, you know, the online uh, sales and just other types of like non uh, you know, restaurant and and whatever, like people can still go to, uh, you know, the, the grocery stores and things like that. So those numbers have even started to come back. But um, those those really high contact face to face businesses, your bars, your restaurants, your boutique retail mm -hmm. shops, um, you know, still down by almost 20%. So there's still a lot of healing left to do. And you see that when you look at the labor markets, right? And that is right where it matters for people's pocketbooks. And we had some kind of bad news for California labor markets last month. <laughs> I am not completely surprised, but I was hoping that it wouldn't, ha wouldn't happen, but uh, the unemployment rate actually went back up. Um, I think at one point it went back, it went down to, I mean, the month before, I think November, we went down to 8.1, yep. but it started rising again to 9%. Again, it's not completely unexpected because, you know, because of the lockdown, because of right. not having enough unemployment um, funding, um, we knew that that's going to happen. And that number, just to warn everyone, uh, in January could also continue to stay elevated or even be higher yeah. before we actually get um, uh, maybe some, uh, some help in February or March. That's right. Yeah. And we saw in the initial claims numbers that that's likely to be the case, right? We saw a bit of a, a, an uptick recently okay. in initial claims through the first half of January. We shed jobs in December. So we lost about 52,000 non-farm jobs. And so um, there are these kind of lingering headwinds. So even as we've kind of made progress and we have that light at the end of the tunnel and rates are low and will probably stay low and we have all these um, you know, positive kind of tailwinds, we also just, again, still have, you know, a lot of these um, or a lot of financial distress out there, I would say, at the, mm -hmm. at the kind of household level that we're going to still have to work through. Yeah. And, you know, just reiterate that we a point that we mentioned before. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the labor market is affected differently depending on, you know, whether you're sort of those uh, people who can work from home or yep. people who are in the uh, service sectors. And when you look at the higher income uh, workers, uh, they seem to be doing pretty okay. Yeah. Uh, but of course, uh, for the low income sectors, uh, they're still suffering. Uh, some sector even dropping by 20, 25 percent. Uh, yeah. Which... And, and actually seeing those job losses pick back up as we've had to clamp back back down. And this is why I think, again, the, the housing market is doing a little bit better. Like in California, you have to be a high wage 
earner to be a home buyer and you're relatively unimpacted by the crisis, far fewer mm -hmm. jobs lost. Um, you know, we saw in those retail numbers that some of those businesses for like the online stores and, and apps and games and that stuff are doing even better than before the crisis. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that are still unemployed, that are still hurting financially. Right. And, and a lot of the recovery period, you know, when, when people are getting better and getting more income and doing all that stuff is going to go towards digging out of the hole instead of propelling the, the economy forward right. as fast as it could go. Right now, so safe to say, and the bottom line is we're not out of the woods yet, you know, yep. uh, for the economy. I know our housing market is actually doing better. Um, so maybe we can talk a little bit about, you know, what are the risks, the downside risks that we may actually see in 2021 uh, since, you know, the economy is not back. Of course, uh, we're still uh, have a lot of uh, cases for coronavirus. So maybe walk us through some of the concerns that we sure. may actually encounter in 2021. Yeah, I mean, you know, COVID is still a, a concern, unfortunately, mm -hmm. and that is going to remain on on the radar. We have the light at the end of the tunnel, but we also have a lot of uh, quarantine fatigue, I think, as well. And so, you know, there's there's a chance that we could have to, you know, grapple with another surge and, and we seem to have the lid on it right for now, but it could uh, rear its ugly head again. And we just, you know, that's an area that I'm probably not qualified to, uh, to make a prediction on, but it is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on because, you know, you see the immediate correlation between, um, you know, restrictions and economic activity, right? And we see that in the retail and the jobs and the housing and all that stuff. And so I, I do think that uh, we have several difficult months ahead of us, even if we continue to see the numbers right. go in the right direction, it's gonna be you know pretty limited in terms of what we're able to do until, uh, until we get out of the woods. And also, I think, um, you know, we have heard in the news uh, from time to time about new strands, you know, the variation. Yep. Um, those are things that are very uh, unpredictable because uh, we're not we're not we're not, you know, medical professions. Uh, we can't yeah. really say, you know, hope, we're hoping that the vaccine is still going to be very effective on, you know, any variation. Uh, but that's still something that it's you know, a wild uh, card. Absolutely wild card. Now, the, something that we have a little bit more control that we may know a little bit more about and people ask is uh, related to housing market is the uh, foreclosures. Um, yeah, we know that foreclosures um, right now, I think at the national level, it's still uh, being contained at a, you know, somewhat relatively lower level. Uh, but uh, is that something that we should be uh, concerned about? We should be concerned. I think it's right to be concerned about foreclosures. And I think, you know, we haven't seen any foreclosures basically at all because of the, the nationwide evict or foreclosure moratorium that's in place still and just got extended. Um, but you know, there are a lot of folks skipping mortgage payments. It's lower than what it was, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, at five and a half percent, I think you crunch those numbers that it's still about 2.7 or uh, around there million uh, homeowners out there mm -hmm. that are in forbearance. So does that mean that we're on the, the brink of a foreclosure? I don't think so. I think that there's opportunity, you know, I think that there's folks who won't be able to hold on to their home. Let's get that out of the way. There right, is right. Be some foreclosures. There's no doubt about it. We've had tremendous labor market impacts. But for me, I think that there's a big difference this time around in that the fundamentals of the mortgage market were much more sound, the underwriting, the down payments, the, the um, you know, imbalances that come from cashing out all the home equity or having um, unpredictable mortgage products, right? The, 
the people who got into the housing market this time around, even pretty much since 2010, have been uh, heavily underwritten with down payments. They have home equity, right. they have fixed rate mortgages, um, and all of that good stuff. So I, you know, I don't know where you land on this for sure, but 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 I think that we're going to see um, some foreclosures, but not the kind of snowball effect where everybody starts throwing keys back to the bank on properties because for the most part, they have home equity and you've got too many buyers out there and not enough homes. I agree with you. You know, the number that, you know, we just talked about, you know, the 2.7 million, that's a, a national number. So if you put things into perspective, let's say California typically makes up about 10% of, roughly 10% of the housing market, right? So 2.7 right. million means, you know, where you we might end up having 270,000 homes, not foreclosed, forbearance, um, so let's say if half of them actually turn out to be foreclosed, we're talking about maybe 135,000 or so spread right. out the year. What, what is our, what is our, um, our uh, monthly number or our uh, annual number? What about 500,000 now? Exactly. So it may add, we, it may add maybe about a month, two months of inventory. And right now we have 1.3, right? Right. Oh, that's not going to be enough to really drag the, the, the market down. I mean, of course, um, there could it's going to take us basically from like the all time low level of unsold inventory to the second lowest level of unsold inventory. <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> right. I mean, we may not see as high a, a, a price growth, let's face it. Right. Uh, but I think, you know, we, we've talked about this also. Um, 10, 12 years ago, when the uh, uh, lenders get caught off guard, they didn't know what to do with the properties. Right. So they just, you know, have foreclosure, short sales. But I think they're going to let the market work out this time because the market is really, really uh, heating up. Yeah, uh, definitely. So so those are kind of like the low probability risks, uh -huh. I guess. Uh, let's talk about the ones where the rubber is going to meet the road a little bit because, you know, up to this point in time, um, and these are kind of all all of a piece, but I think the the real challenges are going to be, um, you know, on the on the buyer side, right? Because affordability mm -hmm. has really been, uh, which is surprising, right? And we said how we earlier when we went through the market numbers that the market has continued to outperform our expectations. One of the reasons why we had uh, more reserved expectations was because of the lack of inventory, but it's just only been showing up as higher and higher prices, not missed home sales yet, uh, which is great for those of us that have already got our foot on the property ladder. You know, mm -hmm. the, the home prices going up is a good thing. And now we have more uh, home equity. But what it also means is that for everybody who's not on the property ladder, they're now further behind the eight ball from an affordability standpoint. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, we, we've talked about it before about first-time buyers share. You know, a lot of first-time buyers who do not have a uh, property to sell, they're going to, um, you know, have to come up with some equity. Yeah. Now, of course, they can take advantage of the low interest rates. That's one thing, you know, everyone can, you know, try to, if they have a, a decent credit score, they can take advantage of the below 3% interest rates. You know, yeah. that may not be an issue, but how do they come up with the down payment? You know, uh, that's going to hurt both um, uh, on affordability, because um, typically we don't calculate our affordability based on, you know, the down payment, but we have right. to take that into consideration. That might actually hurt some of the sales. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, now we're also at a point in time where we don't necessarily think rates are going to go up, but we do think they're probably done going down for a while. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so the, the changes to people's actual monthly payments are going to start looking more and more like the changes in prices. Right. Cause you're not going to have that right. kind of canceling out effect of, of rates continuing to fall and offset some of that, that growth in home prices. And, and, and unfortunately, um, we're not able to write into our forecast a kind of 10 to 15% increase in average wages for everybody. <laughs> um, and so that is going to continue, I think, to be a, a bigger and bigger um, challenge. Absolutely. The new administration does have some potential uh, relief for homeowners. What are your thoughts on this home buyer tax credit of 15,000 that buyers could actually use in the in the transaction process? I think it you know it, it will help you know some of the uh, first time buyers, but realistically, I want to say um, you know the first half of at least at least the first half of the year, or maybe even you know the first nine months, um, the new administration is probably going to focus on you know the economic recovery. Yeah. And so as far as the housing recovery is concerned, you know based on sales and based on price, it looks like it's actually doing okay. So they may actually not you know put the uh, home buyer tax credit in place until a little later. So um, for people who are, you know, expecting a tax buyer cre tax credit, uh, home buyer tax credit in the first half of the year, you know, I would say um, that's don't keep your hope really high for the first half, maybe the second half, but uh, we'll have to see. You're going to have to have your, you know, your clients are going to have to do that, that balancing act of like, you know, do we wait for the the home buyer tax <laughs> credit and potentially face down, you know, 3.1, 3.2% interest rates, or do we um, move now and, and lock, you know, save 40, 50 basis points or something like that on, on your mortgage rate for the next 30 years. And I think if you actually crunch the numbers, um, 50 basis points over 30 years adds up probably to more than 15,000 in most of right, our, our right. housing markets across the state. So I would say the, the, the low rates trump trump the the tax credit in terms of when to buy or sell but uh, i do think that will be a positive i do want to shout out though to lawrence yun who had a great article the other day about the tax credit uh -huh. and being realistic about how much it was going to help the market right because he he pointed out that we're so inventory constrained like buyer demand is not the problem and um, down payments are a huge obstacle to folks getting into the housing market um, but but also if you inject a lot of new buyers into the market um, without you know bringing the the corresponding supply right. around it could just result in even higher uh, home prices and and that kind of brings us to our next risk right because we're not expecting the the supply issues to res resolve themselves uh, anytime soon are we definitely not I mean okay so here's here's the bottom line I think we have been dropping by about 40 45 percent uh, maybe even close to 50 percent. Um, we are going to continue to drop. You know, yeah. let's let's face it. We're going to try and continue to drop. Now, the question is whether we're going to drop fifty percent or maybe twenty five percent. I think for the first half of the year, very likely. I mean, it 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 uh, based it is uh, contingent on how fast we can get the uh, yeah the vaccine the roll out of the distributed. Vaccine. Yep. you're right. So you know, first half of the year, safe to say, we probably will continue to have you know the issue with supply. Uh, close to 40, 50% drop in active yep. listings. Now, second half of the year, if things go well, we may actually not drop as much, but not dropping as much doesn't mean that it's not dropping. It's yeah, 
I mean, on a, on an annualized basis, it'll probably still be pretty tight. We do expect some sellers to come back into the market when they don't have to worry about getting sick from having people come look at their properties and that kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, and once that kind of public health stuff fades, but at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's kind of uh, two parts to the supply issue, right? Is that uh, we got to get the sellers listing and there's a public health aspect to that where they don't want people coming in and out of their homes and doing all that stuff. Uh, but there's also the issue of uh, not necessarily being that many properties out there for them to move into, right? And so mm -hmm. that's the kind of flip side of the coin that isn't going to heal itself even once the the kind of pandemic rolls out because that's, you know, partly a function of the public health stuff, but also just a function of the structural issue that we don't have enough housing in general, uh, period. There's just not enough homes in the state physically. And so um, supply is probably going to remain tight, which means more, you know, increases in prices and eroded uh, affordability, which kind of brings us to the last point of is, you know, should we start worrying about asset bubbles at this point, you know, and and I haven't been particularly worried about that up to this point, because once you take the prices, you adjust for payments, you look at how much money people were actually making before this crisis, it wasn't particularly inflated. Prices weren't particularly inflated from that uh, perspective. But when we start to see you know, consecutive months of 17, 18, 19% growth in home prices, is that a different story? Well, you know, it's it's really hard to say. You're absolutely right. You know, we are um, with 17, 18%, and we probably will continue to see, you know, 15, 16% for the first half of the year at least. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people start getting a little more concerning, uh, concerned about what's going on. Now, if we can keep uh, you know, it's it's unlike you know what we saw in uh, uh, two thousand and six, seven, or seven or eight. Yeah. Um, we we a lot of people already lock in at a low interest rates, and they do have you know an uh, an equity you know yeah. in their house. Yep. So um, are we concerned about people throwing their keys back and you know moving out and thinking cashing out? I should say. Yeah. You know their house. Um, probably you know not so much. But the other, so as far as a housing asset bubble, maybe, you know, not an immediate concern. Yeah. Now we do have, you know, other asset bubble that we need to be concerned about, you know, um, stock market, for example. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, the hot topic in the last week or so. So, you know, we, we uh, I think, you know, this year we didn't really talk as much about, you know, the stock market, but yeah. you did mention before, you know, that you know, are we going to be having a little bit of a uh, you know poking the bubble a little bit? Is that is that <laughs> something that we should be concerned about the stock markets because it did go up to a very high level? Yeah. So that might be something that we also need to be concerned about. Definitely, and I'm going to keep my eye on that. You know, I think the stock market did get ahead of itself, at least relative to where GDP and and corporate profits are and things like that. Um, but that being said, we do expect the second half of the year to be better economically mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as well. And so, you know, I think that that's something to, to keep an eye on. But everything suggests that the second half of the year in 2022 will be better than than 2020, you know. And, and so right. I think that from that standpoint, as long as it doesn't continue to outpace everything else, then, then we won't be in too bad a shape on the housing side. You know, I think that there's also 
the mix of sales issue, right? So it's not necessarily that yes. the price of individual homes are going up by 17, 18% from where they were last year. We sold a lot of three and five and $10 million uh, homes as well. A lot of the people who bought homes in 2020 and continue to buy homes through the first month of this year are relatively affluent, right? They're high income earners. They were putting a bunch of money down. I think over a third of the market last year, put or a third of first time buyers last year, put at least 20% down. And so once you kind of work out the math on payment and interest rates and all of that relative to those really high incomes of the folks who were buying, um, the housing market doesn't look as inflated probably as it does at, at face value. That being said, we are going to have to keep an eye on it though, because they are uh, starting to really consistently outpace. Yeah. I mean, prices. I think, you know, for, I think, you know, for, you know, in general, we still believe that 2021 is going to be we're consistent with other you know economists other yeah. um, analysts that would believe that 2021 is going to be a pretty good year for the housing market now right. the economy it's still going to take some time to recover but uh, I, I do think that I'm uh, you know in line with Jordan I think you know we're going to see a lot of um, you know we might see a lot of price growth in the first half of the year second half of the year don't be surprised you know if we see some slowdown yeah um, and and that's just normal because of the mix of sales change because of you know other reasons economy doing better um, and we want the economy to be doing better because that's yeah. the big picture and if we don't have a good economy I mean don't count on what happened last year <laughs> second half of last year is an anomaly. We don't usually have a poor economy and then a you know a surge in housing market. Right. I'd and, rather have the other way around the the the, the housing the, the economy doing better and the housing market doing better at the same time. Exactly. And part of it will just be the fact that rates aren't going down. So they won't have that extra kind of propelling effect that's really um, pushing prices even higher. So it'll be a good thing if we get more quote unquote normal uh right. price growth. So uh Oscar, that was a lot of fun. I think we covered a lot of ground. Should we go ahead and leave it there? Yes, definitely. And of course, we we are going to have more information in the upcoming weeks or so, and we'll do another podcast then. Absolutely. As, uh, as things develop, you will all be the first to know through the Housing Matters podcast. So uh, thank you so much for all your continued support, listening to 80 episodes. And uh, until next time, take care. Take care. Take care.